Well, welcome, LifePoint. Great to see you. My name is Ed Travers. I'm the teaching pastor at LifePoint in Westerville. Uh, grateful to be with you this morning. I would like to uh, just ask you guests, if you're here for the first time or maybe you're new to LifePoint, I want to draw your attention to one thing. If you take out your phone, turn on the camera, and put on the QR code on a chair in front of you, that'll take you to a landing page called lpguest.com, lpguest.com. That is our online connect card. All the information you might want to find out about LifePoint, uh, ways that you can get connected, uh, information about upcoming events, sermon notes. There's also a guest information button. Here's one thing I would ask of you. Take a second, hit that button, and fill out the information on the guest information page. It'll take you about 60 seconds to fill out. Fill that out, and at the bottom, as you scroll down, there are five ministries that we support from all of our campuses. If you choose one of those, we will do an extra $5 donation to that ministry in your honor, just to say thanks for being a part of, of LifePoint today, and that's a great way to do something good today. So, also, for all of our regular members and attenders, I need to bring up, uh, most of you have heard by now that uh, Dean Folks, our head pastor, uh, had a medical uh, episode this week. Uh, he came and taught at Men's Fraternity on Wednesday morning, felt tightness in his chest, and immediately went over to the ER across the street. Uh, he was met there by a nurse from our Delaware campus, actually, and uh, they took care of him, got some medicine, sent him down to the hospital, uh, and he had a blockage. He had to have a stent placed in that opened that up, and he's doing great now. But that day could have been really bad. Um, so we praise God that uh, God got him in the right uh, people's hands. One of the things that he said uh, was that he's never been more thankful for his family, uh, for those that uh, you know are his close family. He's never been more thankful but he wanted you to know he's never been more thankful for the church body, his church family, his spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and, and also to thank you for those who have reached out uh, and been praying for them, reaching out to Angie. Know this, that he's, he's not going to get back right away to every, every message, but uh, he just wanted you to know how much he loved you and how much he was grateful, uh, more now than ever. Um, that said, uh, some of you were in the series thinking today is the day Dean's going to talk about singleness. And you've been waiting this whole time for this moment well, here's what I would say to you. Online today, Pastor Corey's teaching on that. We're teaching on that at all of our other campuses. So you can uh, go to the archives for those campuses or the online and hear about that teaching. Uh, so that's just something to encourage you with. Um, also, for me, I have been married 25 years this year to my wife, Tammy. We have two girls who are in high school, Abby and Carly. And I was thinking, now I'm at a place in my life where I've I've been around a little bit, and I'm thinking backward, and I was thinking about all the cars that I've had in my life. Uh, the first car that I had, maybe you can think about your first car. The first vehicle I ever bought was a 1977 Ford Granada. It had a bench seat, no air conditioning, and it had rack and pinion steering that was broken. So you know in the movies when you would see people driving like this? I actually had to drive like this just to go in a straight line. So that was my first car, and I kind of have other cars as I've gone on, but my favorite car of all time was my 1991 Honda Prelude. It was gold, it was five speed, two doors. I had been driving a Jeep Cherokee, which didn't you know, corner very well. This car was super quick, uh, sporty. And when I, you know, I was on the freeway behind someone at 65, if I wanted to get around them, barely punch it, I'm zipping around them. I loved this car. My wife though, one day she gets in the car and she says, Ed, your car stinks. Now, I'm thinking, you know, I can't smell anything. It's probably me. I mean, who knows? And, uh, you know, 
A couple days later, it's in the middle of the summer, a couple days later, I realized my car stinks. Like there's something in my car. So I go and get some air fresheners, you know, put a nice pine in there. So I get into the car the next day and it smells like pine and nasty odor. That's what's in my car. And I'm thinking, okay, well, something's in here. So I start looking all over the place, can't find anything. I take my floor mats out and wash them thinking it's gotta be on the floor mats, right? I wash them out, put them back in. Now I have like clean deodorized floor mats, pine and this, odor that's overtaking my car. Now, to get in the car, you have to roll down the windows to drive in. It's just nasty. I'm looking everywhere. I look under the hood thinking I, I've, like an animal is in there dying. Like, nothing. I go in the back, in the trunk, nothing. And now I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I, I go back and I look under, you know, in the, in the, you know, the hood I, or the, uh, in the trunk. I open it up. There, it's just flat. There's nothing there. I open up the floorboard and underneath there's a little donut tire and I don't see anything, but I can smell something. So I undo it. I pull the tire out and underneath there was rotting dog food. And you're thinking, how did that get there? Well, I had dog food in the trunk at one point in the bag ripped and it fell and I thought I cleaned it all out. Evidently some pieces probably six months ago fell underneath and they were rotting. You're saying, how does that have anything to do with a sermon? Well, I'm a professional. Stick with me. Trust me. I, here's what I want to tell you. Of all of our senses, our sense of smell might be one of the most powerful. Isn't it true? You can walk by somebody and their cologne or their perfume can remind you of like someone that you love that passed on. Someone be, can be cooking something and it reminds you of family get-togethers. Just the crispness, of the, uh, the crispness of the air reminds you of fall and events in the fall. There, the sense of smell is very powerful. In this series, we're talking about asking for a friend. We're, we're looking at tough questions that we all want to ask, but we feel a little bit uncomfortable asking, and we wish someone else would ask them. And here's what we're looking at, that God has the best answers for life's toughest questions. And here's the thing. Most Christians have never thought of this or even really understood this, that Christians were meant to permeate culture. In the same way that an incredible scent can permeate a room, that Christians are supposed to permeate culture with the glory of God and the love of Jesus Christ. That is why we were made to do this very thing. But maybe as you've noticed and I've noticed as now I'm, I'm old enough to watch how culture is shifting, doesn't it feel like culture is too far gone? Doesn't it feel like culture is going in a direction exactly opposite of Jesus? And it feels like for us, culture doesn't want anything to do with us. Doesn't it feel that way? And listen, if you came in today and you're a skeptic, let's say that you came in because someone invited you or you came in because you're trying to appease your spouse or your parents or whatever, and you're just, you're kind of a skeptic. Let me tell you what you and I have in common. We agree that culture is going in a certain direction. And if people lived the virtues of the word of God, it would be better. So then what does that mean for us? If you're a Christian in the room, what does that mean for us? How are we supposed to make a difference? How is one person supposed to make a difference when all of culture is going in a direction? That's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do, I just want to take a second to pray. And everyone's here for a purpose today. Let's take a second just to pray. Thank God for what, uh, for what he did this week to, to save Dean and make sure we're going to have him as our pastor for a long time but also that God would enter into this moment with us. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we know there's a purpose in all things, including what happened Wednesday. And we're just so grateful that, uh, that you have given us Dean and his family to, to help lead our church. God, I pray that uh, you would give him many years to serve and uh, to honor you and to, to lead us. 
But God, we know that all things happen for a reason. You use all things together for your purposes and for your glory, for those you have called. And God, I pray that even for this moment right now, and just in this moment, everyone here has a different journey with you, but you know right where they're at. I pray that you would meet them where they're at and draw them close to you. It's in your son's holy name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, in this letter, it's going to answer some of these questions. And the question we're asking today is, what, is, what is one person supposed to do? And the first thing I want to say is this, is that we need to focus on the leader. We need to focus on the leader. In Corinth, you remember, if you've been in the series, that Corinth was a Greek city had Greek culture, Greek influence, Greek philosophy, but Rome had taken over the world. So now Rome owns Corinth. And so some of the paganism of, of that has kind of merged with Greece. And in Corinth, there was a temple to Aphrodite. So here's this goddess of sex and had as many as a thousand temple workers that were really prostitutes. And the culture, you know, when you wanted to go up and worship God, you went to Aphrodite and you had your time. That was culture there. And it was kind of like an anything goes culture, not that much different than today. So it's one thing for us to look at culture and think it's going to a different direction, but this has always been a problem. So here's how he talks to them. At this point, he's telling them uh, in this letter, I've been trying to come visit you. I wrote you the first letter. I've been on these travels and I'm trying to get to you at Corinth. And here's what he says in chapter two, verse 12. Now, when I came to Trowels to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me and the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphant procession. Now, he's talking about, okay, I'm trying to go here, I'm trying to go here, I didn't have Titus. But, and he kind of like in passing mentions this, but thanks be to God who in Christ leads us in triumphant procession. That language you and I might scratch our head, but to them in Corinth, they would have understood this completely. This language is the language of a Roman general who would have conquered an enemy and taken those people back to Rome. That when he enters into Rome, all the pomp and circumstance of you know, entering in as the conquering hero, all the horns and the sounds and all of the stuff going into town and behind him in triumphant procession are these people from that city where he conquered them and those who are now going to join citizenship, they're going to become part of Rome, are kind of in procession behind him. And following them would have been people who are maybe not destined to be citizens. They're maybe going to be slaves or worse. But the Roman general leads him in triumphant procession. Here's what he's saying. It is Christ who leads us in triumphant procession. Here's the simplicity of what that means to you and I. Christ is leading us in such a way to make a statement in the world. And he's the one leading. And the simplicity is for you and I is that we need to focus on the leader. Wherever he goes, that's where we go. Where he leads, we follow. That's the simplicity of the passage. This is also a problem for you and I. And let me, let me say how I've experienced it. I'm thinking you maybe have too. Is that I get distracted. I know I want to follow Christ. I know that I should remain in his word. I know that I should be praying. I know that I should stay engaged. But sometimes I get distracted. Do you? Have you ever had an intention to like really grow your faith? Like you say, okay, now it's going to be different. I'm going to, I'm going to start reading my Bible every day for this amount of time. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to get more involved in church. I'm going to go to life group every week. And you stay, I'm going to, I'm going to get connected. I'm going to focus. And then life happens, doesn't it? You ever have that? And maybe you miss a day. You miss a few days. You miss a week. You miss some months. 
It goes on and on. Now your habit is a lack of focus. Has that ever happened to you? Here's, here's the thing. He is trying to lead us, and we won't be able to follow him, his direction, unless we focus. I want to tell you a quick story, because some of you are thinking, okay, well, how does just focusing on the leader change anything? Let me, let me tell you a story about a couple that started coming to our campus in Westerville. Uh, Mark and Debbie, they're retired. They're in their 70s. Uh, I wanted to meet them. They're new to our, our campus maybe about a year ago or so, and I, started, uh, I wanted to go meet with them and get to know their story, and I found out they actually served as missionaries in China. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I said, what was that like? I'd love to get together, get coffee, hear your story. So I go and sit down with them, and I said, what was your story? I'm expecting, you know, the traditional missionary story that, you know, they they loved Jesus, went to seminary, went off to such and such, and yada, yada. That was not their story at all. They were in their 30s. They were just like anyone in this room. A young family, had some kids that were going into teen uh, years, and uh, they were at church every Sunday. Uh, They had a Bible-believing church that taught the Word of God. They went to their life group. They served in church. They were a good Christian family, but he said it just felt like there was more. He just felt like God wanted more. So he just kind of leaned in and prayed, God, what is it you're trying to lead our family to do? And he went to a conference, he and his wife, At the conference, they talked all about how the gospel is the most powerful message in the world. And and one particular speaker talked about uh, reaching internationals for Christ, that we are made to go go to every nation and, and share the gospel. But the speaker said, but the nations are actually coming to us. And so they just felt like as they lean into the Lord, the Lord told them that, you know, we want you to reach internationals. So they come back here to Columbus, Ohio, and they did some research. This is in the mid 80s. And in their research, they said, where are internationals in Columbus, Ohio? And all the research said, at Ohio State University. So this is during the the winter break. On Christmas Day, as they're honoring Jesus, they knelt with their kids and they prayed, God, use our family to reach internationals. And then they made little tiny invite cards. And they went down to campus, parked around, uh, you know, campus and went into the old union on 12th Avenue. They go in and down one floor is where the restaurants are. Now, there's, there's no American people there. Everyone's at their Christmas holiday, right? But there's just a whole room full of internationals that, that have nowhere to go. And so he went person to person and handed out these little invite cards, invite to dinner. They went home and they prayed. A couple days later, he got a phone call. A guy calls him and says, hey, I'm a grad student. I got one of your invite cards. Uh, is it still okay? Could I come for dinner? And the guy said, well, well, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you for dinner. And the guy said, can I, can I bring some friends? And he said, yeah, 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 you can bring some friends. That'd be great. He said, from that point forward, for the next 15 years, they never ceased every week to have internationals in their house. And Debbie would just make authentic food. She would learn how to make authentic food for these, these students. And then, you know, he would always say when they came to dinner, hey, it's custom in America at our house. When we eat afterwards, we always have a discussion about Jesus and about the Bible. And he started a little time where he would teach people about Jesus. He said, for the next 15 years, 8, 10, 15 students every week were in his house. He's just sharing the gospel. A whole generation of students came to faith in Jesus just because he leaned in and listened to the leader. I said, what happened after that? He goes, well, after that, my company came to me and said, hey, we want to open up a a plant in China. Will you go and lead it? He goes, yes. He goes, no, you don't understand. This is going to be really difficult. You're going to have to sell your wife on it. He goes, no, trust me. We're there. We're going. And he goes to China. You know what his job there was? He worked a job. They met people, invited them to dinner, and just shared Jesus with them. For the next 15 years. You know what? There was nothing special about him. I met them, spent time, hung out with them several times now. And here's what I can tell you. It's not their technique. 
It's not their ability. It's not their education level. There's really nothing about them. They're just ordinary folks, just like everyone in this room. But following a leader, God did something big through their life. So here's the thing. We're made, we are designed to make an impact. By the very nature of how we're made. Here's, let's go back to 14. But thanks be to God who in Christ leads us in triumphant procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ. The fragrance of the knowledge of him. He uses us that other people would know something about Jesus just because we're in the room. Because we spend time around them. Somehow, just by being there, people will know something about Jesus. We're the aroma of Christ. That's powerful, impacting every place where we are. That's what he's saying. We were made for this. This is the thing. When you spend time with somebody, you get a feel for what they're about. When you spend time with people, you get a feel for what's important to them. Isn't that true? And uh, you know when people are like, they love their kids, what their kids are into. Like if you hang out with me long enough, I'm going to tell you all about my girls. You know uh, when people are into money and status and material things. You know when people are into their job and prestige. Uh, You know when people are into their vacations and pleasure. You know when people are into like, you know, serving the homeless or, or doing, you know when people love the Buckeyes. You know, like, you know what people are about. Here's the thing, though. You were designed to be about Christ. You were actually made for it. Your your heart and your soul will thrive more as you connect to Christ than any other place in your life. You will experience a meaning and a purpose as you draw closer to Jesus more than any other place in your life. You were made for that. Don't you feel that? Have you ever wondered, why has this situation in my life happened? Have you ever wondered why you were given the advantages you were given? What about the things that you've suffered? Have you ever wondered, and have you ever ever heard this? I'm sure you've said this. Everything happens for a reason. Have you ever wondered why? Have you ever wondered that there's something more? That God actually has a purpose for your life. He has designed you to make an impact. Even if you came in this room today and you feel like, man, I'm not sure I'm connected to God. Isn't part of what you've been wondering about and thinking about is, isn't there a bigger reason for everything? You see, you were made and designed by a creator that has a purpose over your life. And we get distracted by life. We get distracted by even things that are awesome, things that are great. We get so distracted by them. That's what we make our lives about. We make our purpose about the next game, the next thing, the next promotion, the kids, this. We, We do all of this and we lose sight of the leader. So let me ask you a question. If people looked at your life, parents, if your kids were having a conversation with me and they said, this is what my parents are about, would Jesus' name come up? Would that be the first thing out of their mouths? I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about being that person that rails against others on Facebook. I'm talking about something in you that's so deeply intertwined with your soul that people can't help but see it. That's what he made us for. So maybe you're thinking, okay, well, all right, Ed, well, what do I do? Like, how do I do this? What, what am I supposed to do? Well, here's the key. The key is proximity to the source. 
The key to making an impact is proximity to the source. Here's what he says. Remember verse 14, for we are the, or verse 15, for we are the aroma of Christ. We're the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance of death to death, and to the other, the fragrance of life to life. Who is sufficient for such these, such these things here? I think what Paul's saying there is that when we walk into the room, as we carry Christ into the room, it's going to have a polarizing impact on the room because that's who Christ is. Now, if you think about it, think about how Christ, when he talked to the culture, when he entered into society, there were all kinds of people there from the religious elites, you know, the Pharisees, the leaders of the Pharisees. He, he interacted with Herod, you know, the appointed Jewish king. He interacted with Pilate, the Roman uh, governor of the area. He interacted with all kinds of sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors, the worst of the worst. He interacted with everybody. Let me ask you something. Was he not polarizing? There were those who absolutely hated him. But there were those who put all of their hope in him. What he's saying here, as he leads us in triumphant procession, we spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus. We are the aroma of Christ in any setting that we're in, and it will have a polarizing impact on people's lives. And for some, for some it may lead to life. For others, they may just completely reject you, completely reject Christ. I think that is intimidating for us. That we fear, okay, what if they reject me? What if they reject what I'm saying? What if I don't know what to say? What if I don't know what to do? Can I just tell you, the most impactful people, they simply don't have a plan. They simply love Jesus and it spills out on people. If you're close to the source, the source does all the work. Let me give you an example. Uh, my brother and I, uh, we were teenagers at the time. We both worked at grocery stores. He worked at one. I worked at a different grocery store in Columbus. And his job, he worked at the seafood department. I did not. I bagged groceries. But we had to wear ties. Back then, I had one of my favorite ties was my knit tie. You guys remember the knit tie? Some of you had knit ties. Someone said to me earlier today, it looks like a sweater. Yes, it's like a sweater around your neck. It's awesome. Very stylish. I'm thinking they're coming back soon. You'll see. But the thing was, my brother and I had our ties in the same spot. And one day, I go to work with a tie on, and it smells like fish. It was nasty. I mean, the whole day. And I have to wear it, so I, so I smell like fish the whole day. And it's just, it's just, it's not made of fish. But it was really close to the source. Now, here's the thing. If we're going to make an impact, we have to be close to the source. You don't have to try with your technique, with your abilities. And everyone in the room, you have different techniques and abilities. I have a particular, uh, you know, abilities that God has given me, and God has given you particular abilities. And God uses us all together to work together as the body of Christ to make an impact on behalf of his name. And you have to do it your way, and I'll do it mine. It's just we're all different. You don't have to compare yourself to someone else. But here's the deal. Your skills are meaningless without the Christ who gave them to you. As you come close to the source, that source comes through your life and permeates the culture, and Christ does all the work. Let me, let me say this. Um, if you're thinking, okay, well, what do I do, Ed? How do I, how do I fix this? Let me, let me give you an example. In my life, and just yours isn't the same, I get that, but just, just kind of hang with me. I'm at work one day. 
I'm sitting there and I'm working on a sermon because that's what, that's what you do when you're a pastor. You work on sermons all the time. And I'm busy, kind of focused. I get a text from a buddy of mine who's in ministry as well. Uh, and he texts me and says, hey, man, I have a friend that's down in Mississippi. He's a fellow minister down there. And he has a dad up here who he's estranged from uh, that they don't have a great relationship. The guy's not walking with the Lord, but he's in the ICU at St. Anne's Hospital. He goes, I'm out of town or I would go, but I know you're in Westville. Would you be willing to go over and meet with this guy and pray with him? He's in the ICU. And now here's the thing. As a pastor, if you have time, like if you're busy, it's one thing. But if you have time, how do you say no to that? Like, no, I will not meet with him. This is, you know, like you have to say yes. The obligatory, well, of course I'll do it. You're my friend. Yes. So I just text back, yes, sure. What's his name? Where's he at? Yada, yada. I'm like, and now I've got the rest of the day. I'm thinking like, Here's what I started thinking. I'm, I'm kind of busy trying to get my sermon done. And I've been to the ICU a lot. My parents were in the ICU. Here's the thing about the ICU. Honestly, nobody's awake in the ICU. Everybody's out cold. They're either, you know, they're, I mean, they're just, they're there for a reason. And when you get there, it's the worst environment. I've been to the ICU enough. I'm thinking, I don't want to go. And when I go, I don't know who he is. How will I even know who he is? If anyone's in the room, they're not going to know who I am. They're probably going to think, why are you here? And in my head, I'm just spinning all the reasons not to go. And as I'm dwelling on this for the last couple hours before I'm getting ready to leave, I'm just dwelling on it. And I go over to my buddy, Mark, one of the campus life pastors at Westerville. I said, Mark, and I just kind of vented all out. And here's what he said to me. Ed, why don't you just pray and then go? <laughs> I said, well, duh. I mean, yeah, Mark, that's what I was going to do. Just wanted to make sure you knew what to do, you know. So I go out to the car and I prayed. I said, God, here's the deal. I represent you. My life belongs to you. Use me any which way you want. I'm going to go over there and uh, I'm asking that you would just be there. Use me any way that you choose to. I submit my life completely to you. I'm yours. Use me today. I drive over to the ICU. I show up at the, at the, you know, the front. I see the lady. I'm like, hey, here's who I'm looking for. Looking for Gary. And uh, I know he's in the ICU. Can you point me in the right direction? She does. I walk down there. And I've learned this. When you're going to the hospital, act like you know where you're going. So I walk in the ICU. I just kept my eyes straight ahead. Went straight to the room. I walk in. And sure enough, there's nobody in the room but Gary. And he's wide awake. I mean, he is wide awake. The only issue was he had, he had a tube in his mouth to help him breathe. So he couldn't speak at all. And so I walk in, he's the only one there, and I introduce myself, tell him why I'm there, and say, look, when I come to the hospital and visits like these, I just try to help people connect to Jesus. And he goes, okay. I said, I said you know, most people, Gary, they believe in God. They believe that God, you know, made us and made us to be in a relationship with him, but we all sin. All of us sin, and we kind of put our hand in God's face, and, and we do things that we wish we wouldn't do. We feel guilt and shame about him. And I said, everyone feels that, and that separates our relationship with God. But God sent his son to die on a cross to pay the penalty for sin. And he rose from the grave. And anyone who would come to Jesus, they can have life in God. They can be forgiven of their sin. I said, Gary, most people, most people know that and actually believe it. I said, have you heard that before? He said, yes. And, and I said, Gary, I said, uh, I said, a lot of people, even though they know it, they walk away from it. And they spend their lives kind of just living for themselves and they never really turned to Christ to really, to follow him. I said, Gary, is that your story? And he shook his head, yes. I said, Gary, this is the beauty of the gospel. The gospel means good news, that Jesus Christ died on a cross. That means the justice of God prevailed. God does not like sin, but Jesus paid for all of it. He came down and paid for it himself. The justice of God prevailed, 
but the mercy and the grace of God was just shown to be true because God raised him from the dead. And because Jesus is alive, he comes to us through his Holy Spirit and draws all of us to him, that anyone who wants to come to him could have faith and be forgiven completely. That's the beauty of the gospel. I said, do you understand that? He shook his head, yes. I said, I said, Gary, can I ask you something? I said, does it feel too late for you? He said, yeah. He shook his head. I could see in his body language, just, yeah. I said, Gary, I don't know how long you have. I said, and I don't know if it's soon, if it's kind of soon. He looked at me and went, I said, Gary, let me, let me share with you a story I think might help you. It's a story of this, this owner of a vineyard. And Jesus told the story to explain the heart of God. It wasn't about the owner of the vineyard, but he talked about this, this owner of this vineyard and he wanted workers. So he had his foreman go down and hire workers for the day. I said, Gary, imagine he goes down early in the morning, hires people 50 bucks a day. Come work for the day, $50. And so early in the morning, he gets some workers. And later on the day, about noon, they realize they need more workers. So the owner says, hey, go get more workers. The foreman goes down around noon, gets more workers, offers them 50 bucks. Come work for the day. They realize in the middle of the afternoon, they need more workers. So he goes down again at 2.30 and says, I need more workers, $50. Come, work for the rest of the day. It's getting close to five o'clock, close to quitting time, and there's still so much work to be done that the owner says, go get more. He goes down and finds the people, the last group of people, and says, hey, will you come work, $50. Come work. So he gets some more people at five o'clock. They finish out the day and all the work gets done. And now the owner is there and he has to form and give out $50 to the first group to the second group, to the third group, and to the people who were there at five o'clock, and they all get $50. And that first group starts to complain. And that group says, well, how is this fair that we've been here all day working in the heat, and these guys have just been here since five o'clock, and they're getting paid the same amount as us? And the owner looked at them and says, why are you upset? Did, did I not give you everything I promised? Didn't we make a deal? And didn't I promise you this? And am I not coming through with my promise? Then why would you be upset that those here, I'm choosing to give them just by, out of my abundance and out of my grace and mercy to give them the same? Why would you be upset by that? I said, don't you see, Gary? Gary, this is not about you. It's not about your ability to pay it back. It's not about you having more years to serve. It's simply about the grace of God. He wants to give you his grace and it's up to us to receive that. I said, does that make sense, Gary? He shook his head, yes. I said, Gary, do you want to receive Jesus' love and forgiveness, his mercy? Do you want to follow him for whatever the rest of time you have? His eyes got really big, and he said, yes. And we prayed together. I kind of led him in a prayer. I said, you pray in your mind. God, read your heart. And, and we just prayed together. And as I got ready to leave, I said, Gary, I said, I don't know if I'll see you again on this side, but I'll see you again, I promise you. I left. I was shocked. A couple weeks later, I'm sharing the story from stage because I was trying to explain it. I wasn't expecting any of that to happen. I've shared the gospel with so many people and most of the people reject what I'm saying. I have people laugh at me and make fun of me and tell me, well, that's your truth, Ed. I mean, I have all kinds of responses. Rarely, rarely do I have people who just completely submit their life to Jesus. I finish up the story. At the end of the story, I'm going out to meet some guests. There's this very tall man in the back. So I head towards him to introduce myself and he says, uh, he says, hey, Ed, I actually came here to meet you. I said, what's your name? He said, my name is Ryan. I said, great, what brings you in? He goes, well, you know the story you just told? That was my dad. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, 
I've been trying to share the gospel with my dad for 25 years, and it's been like a BB against a brick wall. And I can tell you there's something changed in him. He has a peace like I've never seen. And I wanted to thank you, Ed. I'm like, thank me. A couple weeks later, he calls me. says, hey, my dad passed. He was at peace, and we would like you to do the funeral. I'm like, I'm talking to Tammy, my wife. I said, Tammy, I said, I, I don't even know why they asked me. I don't even know this guy. I only knew him for 15 minutes. She says, what happened in the 15 minutes, Ed? What happened in the 15 minutes? Here's why I share this with you. You see, an impact can be made so subtly and so quickly in a moment you don't expect. But you know what the issue was? I didn't even want to do it. I was so focused on my stuff, my time, my comfort, what's going to make me uncomfortable. I was so focused on me, I didn't think about the Lord. I didn't think about him. And it wasn't until the moment where I prayed and leaned in and said, okay, okay, Lord. When I drew near to him, he drew near to me. And that's when something happened. And you may say, well, that's fine, Ed. You're a pastor. You're trained to do this. Do you know how many people invested in my life in a moment? I'm only standing here because of people who drew near to Jesus. And you're thinking, well, I don't know that I could make an impact. You don't have to make the impact. He will do it through your life. Your job is just simply to draw near. Isn't this what Jesus said? Come to me, all you who are weary and find life burdensome. Take my yoke upon your shoulders, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that what he said? Come to me. Do you know what James said, the brother of Jesus? He was a skeptic until he saw Jesus resurrected. Do you know what he wrote? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Here's what I would say to you in this room. You, you who are a believer, you follow Jesus, but you find yourself wanting more. You want to make a bigger impact, but you're not sure what to do. Here's what you do. You just simply draw near. Invite Jesus into your day in the morning. Invite Jesus into your day as you read the word. Invite Jesus into your day as you go to life group, as you come here on Sundays and make it a bigger commitment to be here. You draw life from Jesus as he does that. He will pour into others through you. You won't even understand how it's happening. It will just happen because he is the power of God. His Holy Spirit in you is the hope of glory. And if you came in today and you're like, you know what, I don't, I don't know that I'm connected. Maybe you feel like Gary. You're not as far along in the journey as Gary, but you might say the same, that you don't feel like you've ever actually made the commitment to follow Jesus. And maybe you feel like you were just hoping that God would notice you're here today so that he wouldn't be as mad at you about something. Do you know what? It's the same for you as to draw near to Jesus. That's the same. So let's do that together. Let's take a second and let's pray. In a minute, we're going to take communion together. In a minute, we're going to have a song. We're going to worship together, and we'll have a quick announcement at the end. But before we do all of that, let's take a second to pray. So I'm just going to ask you to kind of close your eyes and bow your head and talk to the Lord. Just wherever you're at, maybe as I was talking, you have something very specific that God put on your heart. Just talk to God and say, God, I hear you. Maybe there's something that you feel like specifically that God has given you to do and you want to lean into the Lord right now and say, Jesus, will you please use my life? Just tell him that. Jesus, will you use my life? Maybe some of you are here and you just needed some encouragement today and reminder to keep following, 
and keep drawing close to the Lord. But I want to ask you that if you came in today and you say, you know what, I don't know that I've ever really submitted my life to Jesus. I don't know that, I don't know I've ever surrendered to him as the leader of my life. I don't know that my sins have been forgiven. Let me ask you, are you willing right now to simply surrender your heart and receive his grace and mercy right now? It's very simple. It's just a step of faith. This is what he asks of you. You draw near to Jesus by following his command to do this. You simply say to God right now, God, I believe in you. I believe that your son, Jesus, you sent down, he died on the cross and he rose from the grave. I believe that. Maybe you've always believed that. Just tell God, I believe. The Bible says, anyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's what that means. You say to Jesus right now, Jesus, I'm calling on you. Will you please forgive me of my sin? Please. Jesus, I am sorry. I want to surrender my life to you. Will you please lead me as best as, best as I can? I want to follow you. Will you help me? You need to know it's that little simple step of faith that makes you right with God because of what he did. You're receiving the gift by your faith. I'm gonna ask you to do one thing right now. I do this every week in Westerville. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. And if you don't acknowledge me, I can't acknowledge you. There's something about the acknowledgement between people. So I'm gonna ask you to do this. Between you and me and the Lord right now, if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to acknowledge that and say, today was my day. Here's what I want you to do. I just simply want you to raise your hand up and say, Ed, do you see this? God, do you see this? If that's you right now, just raise your hand up and say, today was my day. Yes, right up there up front. Anyone else? Raise your hand high enough. Yes, I see you up front. Anyone else? In the back. Today was my day. I want Jesus to know. I want to follow you, Jesus. Anyone else? Yes, thank you. I see you there on my right. You put your hand down. God, I thank you for being a God that loves us and cares for us, that you want us to know you, to receive your grace and mercy, but you wanna do something big through our lives. God, I pray for people like me in this room who get easily distracted by life, I pray that you give us your mercy and grace, but God, I pray you would use us. Do something through our life, God, whether it's one person or more, God, that people would know you, the knowledge, the beauty of you, God, through our lives. We ask that in your son's name. Well, thank you guys. I'm going to ask you to do, to stand together. Um, If you have not got the elements here to take communion, we're going to do this together here. And uh, I just want to say, if you don't have these, you can find those right back through the doors. You can slip out and grab those really fast. The reason we do this is, is we want to remember what Christ did. That on the night of Jesus' arrest, that he, he took the bread at the Passover meal and he broke the bread knowing what he was about to go through. But those, the people who were there, they didn't know. But we know. That night he was arrested and he was put on the cross and his body was broken. He says, every time you eat this, I want you to remember me and what I did. Let's do this together. He took the cup. He said, this is a cup of my new covenant. That's a promise. This is a cup of of my blood that's shed for the remission of sins, knowing full well what was going to happen to him on the cross. And because of his sacrifice and his blood that was shed, we have a God who bleeds, right? He says, every time you take this, I want you to remember what I did for you by shedding blood, that your sin could be washed away. Let's take this together. As we get ready to sing this last song, I just want to say to you that if you 
just taking that first step with Jesus, if you head back during this song to our Next Steps area, they have a book for you called Your Next 30 Days that'll be a, a great resource to help you in your journey. If maybe you're new to faith or just trying to get back into faith, go back there to Next Steps, get one of those resource books. Or maybe if you have something that you need to pray about, this is a great time during this last song just to kind of slip out of your seat and get some prayer back in Next Steps.